Welcome to the Village Youth Podcast Show. All right, uh, we are on the podcast here, the Village Youth Podcast Show. We have with us our dear friend Peter Yoon. Hey yo, uh, Peter. We are excited that you're here. We're uh, going to talk about a bunch of different things: our relationship, our two youth ministries in similar areas, why you hate us so much. It's going to be <laughs> great. Um, and I do really want this to be kind of a place for the people who are listening, whether it's a student or other leaders or um, youth volunteers at their churches, whatever, to listen into this about two different people, two different churches, one mindset, one family, one team, and how that actually works. And uh, maybe at times that isn't always how it was, and uh, there are reservations, hesitations, whatever there was. Uh, we want to talk through some of that stuff. Before we get into any of that, um, Peter, who are you? Why are you in this room? Why am I talking to you? How did you get here? Uh, a lot of different questions, but give me a little bit of background about uh, you. Like, where'd you grow up and uh, how'd you kind of get to the place that you are now? Yeah. Um, so I was actually born uh, in Korea, uh, which means that I'm Korean, although uh, I guess that's not necessarily um, always has to be the case. But I moved here with my family when I was five. And so I moved here fresh off the boat. Uh, and then I've been here since, and so now I'm, I just turned 22, uh, this month. So I've been here now, I guess, 17 years, which has been crazy to think about. Um, but I'm here essentially because I'd like to think I'm your friend, but, um, yeah, I guess we have some things to talk about and hopefully, hopefully we try to maybe attempt to answer some questions that, uh, people are asking. Um, so what's your position now at, at the claw? At the Claw, at the Christian Life Assembly. Yeah, so like uh, Michael said, I'm a youth pastor out in a church in Langley called Christian Life Assembly. So oversight on paper, I oversee our high school ministry, which um, kind of pertains to our grades 9 to 12 students. Uh, but our ministry is a pretty holistic approach in terms of our youth ministry umbrella stretches from grades 6 to 12. Um, and then our youth nights, similar to you guys, uh, we're on one night, but we're also on one time, kind of one service, one environment for everybody. So... Um, that being said, on paper, I'm grade nine to 12 or high school. Um, but in terms of the week to week, the day to day, the internal kind of interactions were pretty holistic in that sense. And you guys find yourself in a really interesting place as a ministry, right? So you have had a lot of changes, had a lot of shifts. Models have been different. You're kind of coming into the fray. Uh, Jaden, who's your junior high guy has kind of come into the fray. Um, so how, how have all of those and the million other small details that have gone on from when you were in high school to the position that you are now shaped kind of what your ministry is about, how you've moved, what you've learned, where you're going, and how that has impacted you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've seen a lot of transition. So I've been on staff just over two and a half years now. I think June will make it three years for me this June. I will make it three years for me. But since I've been hired, uh, I've over kind of saw slash gone through uh, a part of leading kind of three different service formats or environments. So when I first was on staff, we were youth and young adults on the same night, kind of one environment again. And then that uh, fall that I got hired, we switched to uh, a high school service on uh, at 6.30 on a Tuesday night and then young adults on the same night in the same building, but at 8. Uh, and then, so we did that for a full year. And the year after, we switched to a grade 6 to 12 model on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. And that's what uh, we're currently at right now. Uh, but in the middle of even all of that, there's been, you know, uh, models of adapting small groups on the night of, uh, kind of creating different environments. Uh, how do the pieces kind of flow in and out? And so I would say having gone through even maybe staff uh, changes and in, in the way that I've had to maybe 
uh, adapt to the different leadership that's kind of come over and, and, and me having to submit under all of that. Um, it's really taught me to not take things too personally um, because, again, uh, when I look back, um, I've just seen how faithful God's been, obviously, uh, more than anything else. But I'm realizing that um, it's been a gift for me to know and to learn at a young age, and hopefully it's a lesson that I actually apply to myself moving forward. Uh, is that uh, as cheesy as it sounds, people say, you know, the message needs to always say it's the same, but methods are allowed to be changed. And I think it's uh, Andy Stanley that talks about change comes from something being challenged. And so I felt a lot of challenge in that sense of, you know, some of these moves and structural changes I've loved and been behind. Uh, but some of them I've been really reluctant and hesitant and almost cautious to step into. Um, but it's taught me a to, you know, kind of submit under uh vision and authority of other people and leadership. It's also just taught me to be faithful. And I think because of that, um, you know, I think fruitfulness comes from faithfulness. And so it's been cool to see that, but I think it's really shaped inside of me, hopefully a bit more of a malleable posture when it comes to methods of not youth ministry, but, you know, church ministry in general and what that looks like in kind of leadership. So what are some of the, obviously you're in this position um, we're at this church and you guys are doing amazing things. So what are the things that you've had to personally kind of stumble through, work through, hardships, whatever, um, that have kind of got you to the place you are and why you are, which is what we'll move into next. Yeah. So being, I think I was 19 when I got hired. Um, and I think I was like that youth kid. I mean, I was a product of our youth ministry. And so, uh, becoming a part of the staff that was now in charge of casting vision for it and running it. Um, when I first got hired, I think I might have had the, the thought that many, maybe students even now share or think is I thought youth ministry and ministry in general was this like big sexy thing. And, you know, I got to do this and was on part of that platform and, you know, girls are going to flock to me, all this crazy stuff. And then like three months in, I learned it's like the opposite of that. I didn't think that, you know, and people had warned me before, but I thought it was kind of like folklore or like myth. Hey, you're going to want to quit or challenges are going to come up. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. But like, I'm immune to it or, you know, not at this church or not in our youth ministry. But uh, probably three months in, it became this really sobering thing of like, hey, there's actually like a weight to ministry, not be, not only because, you know, God's called you to care for people and shepherd people, um, but there's a weight to it. And I think even accompanied with that, a real sense of loneliness. And, and I say that in, uh, in a way, like I think as a leader, you're always trying to lead on the edge of something. And obviously as a leader, you're trying to cast a vision of what should be and could be or a preferred future. And oftentimes what you recognize or what I've learned was that uh, leading sometimes, um, when you look to the left and you look to the right, you realize that you're there alone or trying to think of a certain thing alone or or maybe you think, you know, no one else gets it. And it might not be the truth, but I think that's the way the enemy uh, really tries to discourage, especially young leaders first starting off. But I think throughout uh, a minister's life is this idea of loneliness, that um, you can be even a room full of people and strategies and uh, and a great team and even mentors and pastors in your life, but you can feel very alone in the journey. And so I think that was a very sobering thought for me, was not only the weight uh, and the precedence of the responsibilities that God had entrusted to me and, and the grace that he covered me with, but also, um, yeah, just the weight of leadership and the loneliness that came with it. Um, and so, you know, through all that, you know, I've learned how to, I'm still learning how to, you know, manage my time, manage personal relationships. Family is one thing that I never really thought I'd struggle with, like in terms of like coming into it and balancing that. Uh, I just heard the other day from Pastor Jason Laird that, you know, he said, you know, hey, you got to remember that your family gets the best of you and the and then your ministry gets the rest of you. Um, but as corny as that sounds, I actually think it's like a legitimate challenge for so many ministers and, and, and pastors around the world. And so, 
a lot of challenges, a lot of lessons being learned. Um, right now in this season, what I really feel pressed on my heart, though, to be honest, is um, this idea that, you know, we don't learn from experiences, we learn from lessons. And so I've, I've tried to apply myself coming out of, you know, not the fire, but coming out of a different thing or a different challenge or a different season, uh, trying to kind of teach myself to actually apply the lessons that I've learned so I don't have to go through them again. Um, but I think that is a challenge because, again, I mean, you can look at people's habits and even addictions to know and learn that you don't learn from experiences necessarily, but you do learn from lessons. And so a lot to learn. And, you know, half the time I feel like I'm still making it up as I go. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie, I think, is uh, Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond. Yeah, have you watched Leonardo it? Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, where he has that yeah. gnarly accent. Yeah, I just, I love Leo. He's one of my favorite actors. And, and that accent, uh, I just like, I've never even attempted to try to do a South African one. And the acting it is incredible. Obviously, the story is told really well. It's a little graphic and, and kind of dark, but um, I feel like it's honest, at least. And it's just, it's well-produced and well-written, I feel like. Interesting. This is one that stands out. Yeah, it's weird. It's not like, and I'm not into those kinds of movies. Like, I'm into feel-good movies, so yeah. I don't know why really. It ends kind of well, uh, but it doesn't. Um, go watch it if you haven't. Um, but, like, a good feel-good movie would be, like, Sherlock Holmes. The TV series and the movie, though. Okay. It's kind of one of those things. I think I like Resolve. Yeah. And and every episode or every movie brings that Resolve. I'm not into, like, movies that, like, feel like there's no release at the end. And so, yeah, um, yeah I like those movies. All right. Man, Peter, you're interesting. I, I, I remember thinking about you. Thinking about you. I remember knowing who you You know, everyone has those people in their life where you know everything about them, but You've never had a conversation before. And then it gets people? too almost gets too awkward to introduce ourselves. Exactly. Like we ought to know who we are. So I remember you back in uh, maybe like just coming out of high school. My friend Jordan had all of his like Korean homies, you know, <laughs> all, all at the claw. And I was like, man, I need me some Korean homies, which is a you beautiful moment that. now. And um, and just talking about you, you go, you went to Fluid Park, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of grew up there, whatever. You're now into this ministry thing. And, and uh, I see, you know, awkward Peter back before hanging out with with Waller and then now um I see you at Rev <laughs> conference you know you're up there you're you're this raw raw kind of dude man you're up there you're 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 punching the sky in emotional you know triumph and all of these students are looking at you like you could start a war right there <laughs> and then with anyone that you, they are so bought in how what happened what why are you like that is that like you learn from someone that way or someone who you modeled or idolized was kind of like that, or is that just is that just crazy Korean Peter? Like, what's what's going on, dude? Korean people are really like exaggerative and um, hyperbolic and really dramatic, and so it is hard for I think Korean people. There's a cultural aspect to it where we don't really know how to do things kind of halfway in or with our foot in the door, so to speak. Um, but I don't actually know. I think like obviously it'd be ignorant for me to say that some of that hasn't been shaped by. Uh, influence around my life, whether that's from a distance and watching or, or people that have uh, a voice in my life in my day to day or week to week. Um, but I don't know. I think there was always in me a desire to lead people. Now, the way that I articulated that obviously would have been formed and kind of changed in these last like kind of five years of my life. Um, but I think like it's important to recognize too. I think like we've sometimes done the mistake of trying to define passion or maybe the outpouring of that in, in a certain way or, or define it or put it into a box. And I think that's a, that puts us all in a dangerous place. Um, cause it'd be, it'd be similar if we, you know, 
kind of try to somehow prioritize or rank our spiritual gifts. It, it would be ridiculous for us to even think about it like that. Um, but I think it is important for us to know that, hey, like passion is expressed in some way, shape or form, um, but it doesn't look like uh, the same as everyone else's. And so um, I try to communicate and teach that and live my life in, in such a way that honors those that maybe communicate their form of passion in a different way. I think I am naturally pretty expressive. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up like super competitive. I don't know what it is. Um, the Korean, I don't know. But I definitely was, I still am, I feel like in an awkward stage. I feel like nothing much has changed in high school other than the fact that maybe my voice dropped a little bit. and uh, Which is helpful. Yeah, no, it is helpful. Even though sometimes people think I'm a youth youth student in my own youth ministry sometimes. When I put on a backpack, I feel like that. I could walk in the hallways of schools and get away with it. But I don't know, man. Like, I think it's a lot of God's grace. Um, I think it's 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 a confidence in leaning into a calling rather than just a gifting. Um and then again, dude, I don't know. It just kind of it just kind of happens, and so I try not to force it. Um, but I'm also like give myself grace to recognize that in these early years is really when I'm going to try to form my own voice. And so um, I say that because in five years from now, if somehow you're still involved in my life or someone else listening is, you're like, oh my gosh, you're nothing like you were five years ago. Uh, it might be the case. Hopefully, there's remnants of it. But uh, I am being formed, and obviously in this journey. I try to be malleable and lead with an open heart and hand. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think one of the things I've I've honestly appreciated a lot was so you know we obviously kind of knew about each other. Uh, I'm leading this ministry. You're you know in charge of of another, and um, and so obviously we're going to hear about one another. And then you obviously being the better person than I, message me first. You know it's kind of the standoff going like, okay, who's going to talk to who? You know what I mean? So you text me and. And did I text you first? Yeah. Oh, you guaranteed did. How did I get your number? How did I, how did I, how did I introduce, did I slide into your DM on Instagram? How did I do it? Oh, dude, I, all I remember is you going, hey, it's Peter Yoon, let's hang out. From a random, so all those questions I'm asking myself. Yeah, yeah, How the heck did this guy get my number? <laughs> Where did he come from? It was Walter. What's going on? Probably. <laughs> and, um, and so all of a sudden we meet up and, and I think one of the things for me was just like, man, look at this guy. He's here. He's he's just asking a bunch of questions. And, and that's something I appreciate a lot. But also the passion I think you had for students. This idea of, uh, um, you know, there's lost people all around us who need to come in or there's the aspect that you always kind of get hyped up about is it's let's push these people to mission. Let's get mm-hmm. them to do something, not just sit here and be consumers and whatnot. Um, where does that come from? I think it comes from an uh, from my own experience of being in environments where even this idea uh, and a dream and a picture of revival was something that was actually often talked about growing up in my life. Um, but I think I'm passionate because, you know, one of the things that I kind of often share with my students from a vulnerable point of view is uh, I remember um, being at my grad commencement, you know, 250, 300 students, um, and it was the most boring grad commencement ever. My last name is Yoon, so I'm like fifth to last. Uh, and I'm in the front row, so I can't text or do anything. Um, and I'm standing there, and as all these names are passing, I'm recognizing that, A, I don't know some of these guys, but B, these are the people in the last five years of my life in high school that I claim to love the most. Those uh, closest to my life in terms of interactions and and, and environments and, and shared experiences and memories. And I found myself thinking, um, my heart breaking for these people as I realized, hey, there's something that... I claim to be the most important part of my life, which was my faith and my and my relationship with Jesus. And it's probably the one thing that I neglected to talk about and share the most uh, with with my friends. And so kind of I had these uh, this moment that like, hey, like I felt like I not in like a in like a guilt way or in, in, a, in a weight that was 
uh, maybe caused me towards the move to shame, but in a way that kind of moved me towards wanting to equip and empower young people was reality that I felt like a missed opportunity in high school. And so what I wanted to kind of try to teach and to communicate and, and, and hold maybe a posture in my heart, uh, an example for the students was, hey, this is an incredible opportunity for you to do something. And uh, one of my favorite things to say um, to youth ministries, to youth pastors and to churches and is that, you know, we don't, we're not just trying to build this next generation to be the church of tomorrow. We really are trying to equip them to be the church of today. Um, and so I think my passion comes out of my experience in that, maybe losing some of that, and then recognizing also that these guys hold so much weight and power to what it is that they can be a part of. Um, and, you know, especially in Canada, the statistics of young people that walk away from their faith once they go into post-secondary or college or university um, is staggeringly high and probably really discouraging for almost every youth pastor because you almost feel like your work is for naught at the end of the story. But I think uh, a contributing factor to maybe some of those stats and, and really more to the heart, some of those stories and individuals is that no one ever really taught them to articulate their faith. And I think when you articulate your faith and when you're, when you're moved to mission, there's something about you that keeps you accountable, not only to the community of believers that you're a part of, but you're actually accountable to the people that you're sharing your faith with. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to articulate it with perfection. Doesn't mean you have to live a life that's perfect or even this model Christian that other people think about. But it's this idea that like, hey, actually, there is something real to this. If this is everything that the Bible's, you know, it's the whole C.S. Lewis quote. It's the whole, um, you know, there's no option for Jesus to or for us to live halfway for Jesus. Um, so it should affect everything and permeate every area of our lives. And more importantly, when we experience the love of Jesus, there should be something like in Jeremiah, a fire that burns in our hearts to share that with people. Um, and I think one of the reasons that so many young people are walking away from their faith uh, in our nation is due to the fact that uh, there just has been a lack of empowerment and equipping for that. And so uh, I think when they go into post-secondary and there's somebody, a teacher um, or, or, or a peer that's able to maybe articulate their worldviews, uh, in a maybe more educated way, I think it causes us to doubt. And we already have those doubts, even as educated Christians already. And so uh, I think in order to maybe combat that is like the young person needs to go through discouragement, what it feels like to be rejected because of your faith, or what it looks like for close friends to reject the faith, maybe not you, but the faith and the idea. And so um, I think that's a part of the discipleship model is that, you know, it's clear in the Bible and, you know, that's not what we're here to talk about necessarily, but this idea that, you know, discipleship come and see only is only half of it. And you and I are, you know, we love creating environments for young people, but ultimately our stories are also, and the legacies that we live will be defined by the young people that go and tell. And so um, I am passionate about doing that because I feel like historically in the past or even the environments I grew up personally, the come and see was done always really well, but I always felt the lack of support even in my own life in the go and tell part, uh, in the teaching, the modeling, the equipping, the training, the resourcing. So, yeah. It's so true. Like at times I think, there begins to be this kind of predisposition or, or this idea of, hey, listen, you're like 13 years old. There's like an age limit to church. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I think for me has always been kind of unsettling. I see these high school students and the things that they do, and they have way more guts than most of us. You know, I had this one, this one guy come up to me at youth, and he's like, my whole goal is that every single week for the next year, I invite a new person. And he says that, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's bogus. What a liar. And uh, what happens? Next week, he brings in a new guy. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, this guy's for real. Like, yeah, he's yeah. going for it. The week after that, brings another person. Week after that, brings another person. Week after that, brings another person. I don't think he finished the whole year or whatever, but he he went probably like six, seven people deep. And I was like, that's amazing. 
Yeah. When's the last time I did that? No, totally. No, I, I didn't. I, seven people deep in seven weeks. That's that's insane. You know, I'm struggling to talk about it with like family members. And all of a sudden <laughs> I got this 18 year old showing me up. And uh, so I think there's a beautiful part about that and, and that side of uh, of these guys who just are doing tremendous things. And we need to be able to unleash that in this country. And I think. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for us, especially as youth guys, just to look at uh, the students that we have and go, what is what's your gifting? What has God made you to do? What's the vision that He has in your heart? How do we just unleash you? How do we how do we train you up? How do we mold you in certain ways and then just kind of get you going? I think it's uh, a beautiful heart to have. Yeah, no, I'm always taken back by even the response of mission from students. I'm like, you know, you kind of preach it and you teach it, and hopefully you try to model it as best as you can. And then when kids actually respond to it, you're like, what? Wait a minute, did you not? You're not listening to me when I told you the cost to all of this or, or the sacrifices you might have to make or the reputation you're actually putting on the line. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy. Again, I'm always encouraged by those that are rising up. And more than anything, it's I try I think as a leader we have to be a believer of people. And so, oh, yeah, these guys are doing things that I wish I was I did like today, uh, never mind when I was you know their age. And so it is a remarkable thing for us to be a part of for sure. It's a gift. Yeah, it's crazy. Um and even to look at the way that you guys do things in your ministry is awesome. Just, you know, the empowering, you see the students, you see the leaders doing the things that they're doing. And uh, I think for us, when we look at you guys, we see differences, we see similarities and uh, like you guys are fun. You know, uh, the other day I was at this, uh, you know, one of our seniors uh, birthday parties and it's, oh, it's, this is probably had like six or seven times where we show up to this house and they, they throw a party and I'm like, why did you invite us? Like, this is so weird. I'm <laughs> yeah. just hanging out with a bunch of like high school students. I'm like, my high school parties were not like this. You didn't invite your youth leaders to come no hang way. out, whatever. And, uh, and your guys, like the rev guys who show up, they're rowdy. Those guys, they're just screaming out like you're getting turned up. I'm like, what is that? You guys need to repent of sin. You oh, know? they do. And, probably. um, Oh, and then man. you got our girls going ballistic and dancing around and having a good time and fun. And 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 that's the overall spirit I get from these guys. It's just like they love their life, that they're yeah. they're in community, they're enjoying themselves. And we see that a lot from you. We see that from from your community. And I think that's one of the things that is so, you know, so glad for us to see on, on the outside in, in that kind of spirit that you guys have. And then there's us, you know, where I'm standing on stage trying to teach like a fifth grader Greek. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. Learn there's... the word hesed. No, you... <laughs> like, what? Oh. Hesed? That sounds like a snail. And you're like, whatever, we'll, we'll make it work. No, I think like, yeah, I think what you said was good. I think like, I think Christians need to learn to take what they do seriously, but need to learn how to take themselves maybe not too seriously. Um, but that, that is, as, as not just as young people, what we're trying to do as, as shepherds and as leaders is trying to teach people that following Jesus isn't just about saying no, but it's about saying yes to the best in full life. I think Dallas Willard talks about it in his book, Renovation of the Heart, uh, this idea of the rich young ruler, uh, and that actually when you weigh the costs, um, the cost of not following Jesus is much greater than the cost of actually taking up the cross and what it is that he's asking you to be a part of. But yeah, that's you're saying yes to the fulfillment and the purpose and what it is that you were created for. And on the second note, it's, you know, we, we do things fine, but there's so much that we've learned from you guys and, and even you, I think, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but like, I was like, I was kind of trying to be selfish more than anything when I, when I contacted you, I, was like, I just need to learn from this guy. Um, I just think like, there's so much strength and diversity and not only that, there's ultimately like when we're being honest with ourselves, there's things that come naturally to us and other things that we know that we should probably work towards that being better at. And 
Um, even different things like, you know, the Bible project that you guys were a part of running. We just implemented that in our junior high discipleship program this past Sunday. Um, and, and our kids are loving it and our leaders are loving it. And so, like, it's those things that we glean from you guys and the way that you teach the Bible, even the way that we build our sermon series, uh, you've personally had a voice in and influencing and shaping. And I think that's the beautiful picture of, of being the church across the street is that um, I think that unity looks like us looking at each other saying, hey, we got to be better and you got to do better and I got to do better because the need is much greater than maybe the differences that you and I can maybe talk about for hours, you know? And so um, the beauty of unity is that, is that we just, we need each other to be better because there's students that we're not reaching even collectively. And Definitely. So. And I think, um, I think it's interesting even like you have a completely different church culture than we do. Youth ministry has a different culture than we do. And um, us coming up as, you know, you guys have been established for years. You guys have been doing youth ministry, youth, young adults, and then just to, to youth. And then we're kind of the, these new guys on the block just kind of showing up and, and whatnot. And we've changed models a, a, a tons of different times. And then we landed this year on same night, Tuesday, same starting time, similar areas. And uh, what we noticed was there was a, a, a lot of, of our students kind of double dipping. They'll go to Rev on a Tuesday and then go to either one of our, our ministries on the Thursday or the Sunday. And then when we came to one night at the same time, we, we would lose a bunch of students and uh, you had lost some students. And now we had to finally have a conversation going, oh, snap, those double dippers are gone now. Yeah. Ha, ha, what do we feel about one another? So what was one of the, the first kind of feelings that you had about us going on a Tuesday, similar area? Were you just rattled or were you like, man, bless those bless those people's hearts? Or what, what were you feeling? I mean, honestly, I probably was like not like rattled by any sense or frustrated. I was like, oh, like that's going to, you know. I anticipated questions from other people, at least leaders, and maybe even like those like punk students that think that they can get under our skin by asking us those questions. But ultimately, dude, at the end of the day, I wish every uh, youth ministry in a in a city would commit to one night, like the same night for for all their youth programs, just so that we can be honest about our actual reach, rather than even the people that you mentioned double dipping. And so when you when I first heard you guys go into kind of a centralized thing, fifty minutes down the road. Um, on the same night, kind of similar time frame, I was like, well, the one thing I don't have to worry about now is to teach students how to be planted. Um, ultimately, you know, you and I both believe that, you know, you grew fruit wherever it is that you're rooted. And so that's what I was anticipating and that's what I was excited for. And at the end of the day, I think I think the funny thing was like, I think I had parents asking me more than anything if I was worried. And some of our leaders said, hey, you worried? And I said, what, am, what should I be worried about? And they said, I've, did you hear like Village is doing their youth night on a Tuesday just down the road and they're starting in, in a couple of weeks or whatever? I said, no, not really. I I love those guys and I think we're reaching different different students and I think we're trying to do our best. And at the end of the day now, we've forced our students to decide and to be rooted. And so um, there is, I think it's there is a stigma around it though. And, uh, and I'm glad no, now though that, you know, our friendship and even the partnership between our two churches beyond just the two of us and, and the friendships that carry over has kind of broken some of that taboo. And even you guys showing up to our, you know, our youth conference, uh, that speaks volumes to maybe even more other churches than just the two of ours. I think it's easy or maybe it's innocent or naive to assume that it only affects the, the, the two of our churches. But honestly, you know, if looking back at it retrospectively, there's probably other youth ministries that were more curious as to how we were going to react than anything else or, how are we going to respond to it? And so, um, I think it's a, I think it's been a real healthy thing for, for the kingdom and for the local expressions of, of his church in the lower mainland for us to do on the same night. But like you said, it's, 
you, you do get those moments where, you know, I have a student say, ah, oh, like, you know, Village is doing a, um, their dessert banquet or their Christmas formal this this week. And I'm like, just anticipating. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, like, those are the kids that are growing and thriving in the relationship with Jesus. And that's what you and I both care about. So I think when we set our priorities straight, those things come clear. But but in all honesty, yeah, the first reaction was like, oh, my gosh. I was nervous, but I didn't even know what to be nervous about. I was like, I don't know why I'm nervous. Am I nervous for them? Am I nervous for me? Um, and maybe it's just like, I think in, in every leader, there's this insecurity. Um, you know, their ministry feels, um, yeah, maybe a little transient. And I think beyond our youth culture, more than anything, Village was that church, you know, and that was, um, you know, this or doing that or taking these people. And there's so many conversations surrounding it. Um, and I'm kind of glad that the youth kind of moved over later on in that because at that point I was already fed up with it. all those other conversations. Like whatever, yeah. like, it's, it's going to happen, and so it's a healthy thing. And so, no, honestly, now it's 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 a beautiful thing. But um, I'm sure it made people nervous, and maybe even some of our leaders. Yeah, I, I would probably think at um, probably the deepest core, I would say this is probably one of the biggest. I don't know, insecure, not insecurities, but one of probably the weaknesses of mine is I'm I tend to kind of keep pretty pretty tight to myself. Like I don't really expand out. And I, and a side of it, I think was birthed out of being a part of this church and, uh, and being a part of this church. One of the interesting things is you get a lot of shots. You take a lot of shots and you hear everything, you know, you get the, how does it feel paying people to come to your service? And you're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Or, um, you guys are just inflating numbers or you're going to other churches and seeing their people, whatever. And, um, I've been here for the last, you know, three and a half years. And so for the last three and a half years being at this church, I've heard everything. And uh, it's it kind of sucks because I, I've been a bit numb to it. And I think that's one of the sad things I think I've realized in being here is is we, we call ourselves a unity all the time. And I see the exact opposite. And I felt the exact opposite. And so I think there's a bit of a, a timidity on my part and, and a bit of sadness in, in trying to, you know, reach out and talk to other, you know, guys like yourself or other youth leaders or people who are invested in the community or whatnot, because maybe there is a bit of that fear of, of taking that shot and hearing that thing. And I think it was just super important just being able to, you know, get that message from you for the first time and knowing that I would never send that. And you just coming up and, 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 being helpful and being friendly and nice and asking questions. And it was, it's so sad to be like, but that's a different experience for me in this, right. in this place. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's one of the big things, like even for us, our friendship, the things that, you know, where we're, we've been talking about partnering with stuff uh, for a while now is, it's that kind of a spirit is if we're actually on the same team, if we are the same church under Jesus to do this amazing mission and stuff like that can't really even happen. And I think there's an aspect of it that I just appreciate from you, your whole church, your whole team, whether that's us uh, planting a site close to your location and, and our senior pastors are, are having conversations. And then you and I are having conversations. I think that's one of the things I appreciated the most was here's somebody who's actually embodying something just a bit different. And um, and I think that's been been huge because, I, you know, the lonely stuff or all the things that you kind of feel for yourself, obviously we've, we've all kind of hit those at some degree. And, and I think this has been something that's really great. And, and 
and kind of going for us. And then it's been also weird because, you know, our interactions with the students that we have, like, man, some of our guys are just dumb. You know, <laughs> some of the students that we have, like, I, I have these conversations with guys and they're, they some talk, you guys about, are listening. they have these conversations at school. And, <laughs> and, and when they tell me these stories, it feels like the bloods and the crips are going at it when um, it comes to Rev and Village. Oh, you're stupid. You guys just want to look that way. Oh, well, you guys don't even love Jesus. Like whatever that you guys are talking about. And, um, and I hear that stuff and and, it, and all of that, all of those emotions keep rising out of me of the, man, this is what's always been happening, this kind of divisiveness or this fighting. And I think that's a, a part of that I wanted to kind of um, talk about because I, for me, I feel like it's so stupid because I'm like, here are you and I just sitting in this room talking to one of their friends. We do a lot of dumb stuff together. You know, we, <laughs> we chat and send each other dumb memes. We, you know, play some video games, go to Cactus, whatever. And uh, catch us on the rift. And, oh my gosh, and, uh, and whatnot. And, and so we've kind of grown this way. And, and I think there's, there's this aspect in this heart that I kind of have so deeply of what does it mean for people to be united and learn that when they're 12 years old, coming right. into, coming to our ministries for the very first time and, and seeing what it's like to maybe not be a part of that church, but to actually pray for them. Yeah. And there have been those nights too, when you guys are doing your kickoff and, you know, I'm thinking like, man, I actually feel like a, a, a spirit about me going, I'm going to text this guy and say, we as a youth ministry just pray for them. We're, we're rooting for you. And I think that kind of came off the back of you doing that for us and just saying, hey, yeah, I remember have, that a, night. have a good night, man. We're praying for you guys. Hope that it's amazing. And the, the little things like that, I hope like you understand the spirit of, of the little tiny things that you do that for us is just amazing where we can look at and go, man, those guys at CLA love us and and they're part of our team. They're rooting for us just as we are for them. And the more we can kind of get into that spirit, um, it's beneficial for everyone in, in churches all around. And um, even recently just kind of, you know, going to a place and talking to a bunch of youth guys. And, and once again, I, I get another shot at me, right? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, classic. And um and it's a different bit of a feeling this time more just like, you know, that's okay. It's fine. And, uh, that numbness didn't kind of sit in or that, or that rigidness didn't kind of sit in where I just want to distance or, or whatnot and, and isolate ourselves. And I think that there's a brilliance to what happens when somebody kind of just steps out. And I think that's one of the appreciations that we have for, for you guys and what you're doing and people are coming to know Jesus and your camps are unreal. When we see these videos of people getting baptized and another kid like breaks his arm or whatever, but, um, <laughs> oops, but we see those things and we're like, man, something's happening in this place. Something's happening in, in Surrey and Canada as a whole where God's starting to move. And I think you guys are probably, um, on the youth ministry level at the forefront of, of some of those things. And so what, what's, What's your vision uh, moving forward for what do you guys want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What do you see kind of the church in Canada doing, especially specific to, to youth ministry and uh, and do kind of 30,000 feet and then do practical. So um, what Canada wide, you, you've been doing a lot of traveling. Um, what does that look like? And then here, hometown Surrey, Langley, um, those places, what do you, what do you feel encouraged by? And uh yeah, tell us some of that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, even what you mentioned, by the way, our love runs deep for you guys too. But what we, what we, what I've really learned and, and the grace of God has uh, maybe given us and covered us with is this ability to, um, is to influence um, uh, those around us by just uh, an example and friendships and relationships and learning from one another. 
Um, but yeah, in this last year, I've uh, I've been able to travel a little bit in the country, and and I ultimately, I have a heart for this for this nation. And I do believe, even before the first prayer for revival uh, for this nation was muttered, that God knew what this country needed and has a plan for it, and and He'll do it with or without us. And I just hope to be with Him in that. Um, but what I've been encouraged by is this idea of student mobilization. Are these um, young people saying, "Hey, I don't have to get older, or I don't have to be more mature in that sense, or you know, I don't have to you know be a preacher, want to be a worship leader, or, or serving the church, or the body, or people, or loving, or or inviting them to church, or or, or bringing them to Jesus?" Does need to look this one way and I've been encouraged by that is that it's it's been happening through so many different facets of of ministry and uh, life and relationships and opportunities but it's come down to this idea of hey we we need to madly and radically fall in love with Jesus in such a way that is attractive to all those around us but even to those that it isn't attractive to uh, we're gonna fight for those people because the gospel doesn't give us permission to give up on them and so I've seen that Across the nation, young people rising up saying, hey, I want to make a difference. And more than ever, I think, um, is this idea of, of youth pastors taking a step back and being able to let go of some of that authority, letting go of that leadership. And I think it happens even you and I, we talked about insecurity a little bit, but that's a real issue for for every leader, not just young leaders, every leader. Um, and, you know, insecure leaders hold on to authority for too long, but secure leaders hand it out. And I think um, what's happening is this younger generation of not just youth, but youth pastors and young leaders across Canada and churches um, are letting go of these things and saying, hey, I believe you can do it and actually letting young people fail, letting young people lead, uh, letting young people make a difference. So I think there's a lot of favor and I think we honor God when our churches are uh, multi-generational in that way. And while still honoring the past and those that have gone before us are still uh, continuing to pave the way for us. So across the nation, three, uh, 30,000 feet in the air, that's what I'm seeing is student, mobil- student mobilization, uh, this idea of uh, young people at the end of the day. And so there's that crazy stat of, you know, um, the people that walk into the church, they already make a decision five to 10 minutes into the first lobby or into the first room or into their seat, whether or not they want to come back before the sermon is preached or maybe even the second song is sung. And there's this idea that people actually crave community and people crave to belong and become eventually, uh, even if they don't think like that yet. Um, I think young people are, uh, and youth ministries are switching to life group models, really pressing into that, which is kind of ridiculous to say that now. I think the whole small group model was a, is a biblical principle, um, but I think somehow throughout maybe different models and cultures, we've lost some of that. But that's what I see. Student mobilization and life groups being a real uh, practical kind of application of that community. And then right now in Surrey and in Langley, uh, where we're at and where we're situated, um, I'm understanding more and more uh, the difference in, or not the difference, the difference you can make in, in, in sowing a seed. Um, and I say that to encourage every youth leader and every student, every person that's listening to this or ever will listen and, and, and ourselves is that um, we never know how far a seed that we sow will go. And sometimes the promise in Bible in the Bible is that sometimes we might never even see that come to fruition. Uh, but the promise is that everything that we do for the kingdom is not in vain. And so if you're a youth leader here and you've had that tough conversation with that kid over and over and over again, and you feel like you're not getting through to him or her or, or you're a youth leader here and you feel like just so discouraged because you're not breaking down the walls in some of your small group times, or if you're a student here and that friend has rejected you five times now to come to youth or come to church with you on Sunday, uh, you never know how, or you're, maybe you're a youth and you're running alpha, but like people seem so unresponded. You never know how far a seat can go. And never underestimate uh, the power of invitation and the power of love and, and and an example to set out. And so I would say in the practical day-to-day, our ability to impact and influence 
an individual will go way further than we can ever hope for or imagine. Uh, and I think that's the I think that's the key to to, to growing a healthy youth ministry or, or yeah. ministry in general. That's super good. Um, I've noticed the last little bit. It's been interesting, especially with with us and looking the train, especially with Surrey. Is um, a lot of those old youth pastors are kind of dying off, and uh, I don't not know, literally. I don't know just, why. Just falling off the map. Not I, they're not in their coffins. Hopefully, and uh, and all these new guys are kind of coming in, and now it's like Young this bucks. really weird, awesome, fresh season of uh, of ministry coming and happening here in this area, and uh, it's pretty funny. Like I. I'm not even that long into this gig, and I have a lot of guys asking me, like, "Hey, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this?" And um, and I'm sitting here like, "Come on, like, look, I'm I'm the vet now, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Ten months deep, what?" And uh, and I think that's kind of a, a special thing. So for those guys who are kind of feeling the pressure, who are feeling um, yeah, a, a lot of that's on their shoulders. What's what's one thing that you would say to those guys? I would say um, surround yourself with people that love you and care about you and believe in the dreams that you have and um, buy into your vision, uh, but love you as a person more than the platform that you have or the purpose that you might serve at your church. Um, have those people. Have the friends that ground you as just like a normal follower of Jesus. That's who you are. You're called to follow and love Jesus before you're ever called to lead your youth ministry into X you know, size or whatever. Uh, and so be encouraged by that is that like there's nothing— God loves the church more than you do. And so take that weight off of your shoulders, but, you know, and, and carry the weight of people, but allow God to help you. But surround yourselves with people and uh, be humble enough to ask for help. I think that's why I reached out to you. I was like, it's so funny, but you say that you're probably a year into it deeper than I am. But I'm like, oh, I just need help because I, I don't know what it looks like. And I don't. I, and, and like you said, I have people coming to me too. It's like, hey, I just started. What do you What about this? And what I'm like, Yes. You know, you know, it's like, yeah. go for it. Um, I think, what does your, what does your lead pastor think? Um, but surround yourself with people that love you and care for you. And don't allow the lie that because people aren't reaching out to you, you can't reach out to them. Take that initiative. I've been in seasons of in, like more loneliness than I needed to be in because the insecurity leads us to believing that no one cares or that even if we reach out, um, no one will respond. But if you feel like you're in a place and, you know, maybe your direct report isn't being as direct with you as you had hoped for or your lead pastor, you know, you're not going to, you know, play ping pong with them after, you know, work or whatever, yeah. or your mentors or pastors are getting busy or your family, every, take the initiative, take the time, ask for help, be straight up. And I think you'll be surprised at the help that you receive. But I, that would be my encouragement is seek counsel, seek people. That's so good. Um, yeah, man, we just, we just want to thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Peter's gonna be with us pretty soon here. He's gonna show up at, at youth and, uh, share some stuff with us. And so we are sure. more than encouraged, uh, by you and, uh, your heart for what we're doing here. And, um, that's all the time that we have. Uh, once again, thank you for showing up, hanging out with us so and, uh, and talking and, uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Village Youth Podcast Show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe.